If you guys were with us last year, uh, we did a series called the Love Filter Series. And what we decided to do is we went through the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, Paul wrote that to the, the church at Corinth. And he was dealing with a lot of different issues with that church. They were pretty broken. And, uh, and he needed to bring some discipleship and some mentorship to that church. And what we decided to do uh, uh, as a teaching team is, is take a look at that book and kind of go through it, not line by line or verse by verse, but by thought by thought, chapter by chapter. And when we were developing the series, we defined love, and, and we shared that with you, and, and hopefully you remember what the definition was. I choose to do what I know benefits you. That was the love definition that we went with. And we applied that to all different relationships in our lives. It's easy to apply that to our marriage relationships. I choose to do what I know benefits Gene instead of doing what benefits myself. Apply that to the church relationship. You know, as a, as a bunch of people coming together, we all have different experiences, uh, different thoughts, different expectations, different ideas. But we choose to come together and we choose to do what we know benefits each other. That, that's how a group works together. Uh, we can do that with our kids. We can do that in our friendships and our work relationships as well. So what we're going to do now is for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about love and relationships again, but from a little different perspective. Uh, we're not going to use our love definition, although that's always in the back of my mind whenever I talk about love. <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to see what uh, love looks like. We're going to define love, and we're going to take a look at love in the context of marriage relationships, if you're a single person, what does love look like uh, in dating relationships? Uh, for the younger folks, I know we don't have a lot of younger folks here today, but you know, over the next few weeks we will. We'll have younger uh, uh, teens and kids here. And, and what does love look like as a middle schooler? What does love look like as a high schooler or a young adult? So that's kind of where we're headed over the next few weeks. Uh, Kindle Hindle or Hinkle, I'm sorry, I just read my notes. Kindle Hinkle works for an organization down in Bozeman called Zoe Care. And Zoe Care is much like Echo's Pregnancy Center here in Great Falls. They work with, uh, you know, pregnancy advocates, and, and they work with moms and dads. They do mentoring, they do education, they do a lot of that type of stuff that Echo's does here in Great Falls. They do the same thing down in Bozeman, and she works for Zoe Care down there. And she uh, had talked with Russ quite a few months ago uh, about uh, doing a series uh, about love. And, and Russ kind of had reached out to her as well when, when he knew that what, what kind of line of work that she was in. So we're developing this series in conjunction with uh, Kindle. And, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. I think it's going to be really good. Um, it's going to be interactive. We're going to have some interaction here uh, with you guys and, and us. We're going to have interaction with Bozeman because uh, they have some videos that we're going to watch from them, and then I'm going to do some live teaching as well. So it's going to be a little different format than we're used to, uh, but I think you'll enjoy what we have planned for you guys over the next few weeks. So we do have an intro video for Kindle just to kind of meet her and see who she is. So let's go ahead and roll that video and go ahead and hit the lights. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here at Connect Church for the next few weeks, being able to talk about a topic that I am very passionate about. However, that would not always been true. I came to, uh, so Zoe Care is who I work for, and I, um, the program 45 North is kind of a, 
branch that we focus on sexual education and relationship programs, um, mainly for public schools and middle school. And but with this, um, when I took on the job at Zoe Care, there was kind of another position or part to it. And I was really excited about that. But when I heard the definition or kind of the quick glimpse of 45 North, I heard was teaching sex to middle schoolers. And for most, that's probably not your cup of tea and it was sure not mine. And I was the girl all growing up that I wanted to avoid these subjects. I just didn't want to talk about them. I didn't want to even mention to my parents, especially my dad, if I even liked a guy. But keep in mind, he's also six, seven farm boy. He could take anybody on. So I probably felt bad for the poor guy who would ever have to face my dad. But with God's humor, here I am today, excited to talk about this issue because I see how so vital and important it is to our culture and how uh, this is so needed and um, for people to not be in broken relationships, but healthy, um, thriving relationships. And so that's what we're here today to talk about. Okay, that's just a little intro for her story. Um, and what we're going to start, where we're going to start with today is we're going to start in the book of Matthew, and it's up there on the board. So if you want to turn there to, in your device or just read uh, the board here with me, it's Matthew 22. And this is, this portion uh, of the Bible is called the Great Commandment. And, and what we read here is, is one of the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were the religious lawyers of the day. They knew all about the law, moral law and the religious law. And one of the, these Pharisees came and asked Jesus a question. And, and, and here's the question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. But then he goes on. He said the second, a second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. It's all about love. Now the Pharisees at, at the time, they always were trying to trap Jesus. And, and this again was another type of trap that they were trying to catch Jesus in. But Jesus, knowing what they were trying to do, he took it as an opportunity, a teaching time, a mentoring point. And, and what Jesus taught is that love, loving God and loving your neighbor is the key to a successful life. And, and, and that's what he shared with them. God created me for love is the first point in your notes. God created you for love. God created me for love. God created me to give love. God created you to give love. But also God created me and you to receive love as well. But there's one thing that we need to understand before we go any further. We need to understand love if we're going to love people well. Because if we have a skewed vision of what love is, then we're not going to be able to love people well or love people the way that God wants us to love people or receive his love that he has for us if we don't understand what love is all about. So we're going to define love for you now, and Kendall's going to do that via video.
in our culture, love is thrown around all the time. We say, I love pizza. I love my friend. I love how that girl or guy makes me feel. And we use one word to explain a lot of things. And a lot of times we may get confused of what that word really means. And um, so I want to take it back a little bit, back to kind of New Testament language in the Greek. They use four words to describe what our one English word, love. So to kind of go quickly through those, the first one is storge. This is a family type love. So this would be created on a bond, usually kind of naturally developed, uh, like a mother um, to her child, and it kind of builds in that bond. Then we have phileo love. This is a friendship love created on a deep bond, a lot of times um, companionship and um, maybe in similar interests. Uh, but you uh, can also build uh, phileo love even into a storge love where you have that deep brotherly friendship love. Then we have eros. Eros love is an emotional type love. Uh, a lot of times romantic love, um, passionate marital love. Uh, this can also make... Um, where the word erotic in the English definition um, comes from. And then we have the last type of love, the best love, agape love. This is unconditional love. This is what God has for us, that he um, was sacrificed. It was a selfless love. And uh, this also times this is a love in action. So despite any emotion that you may have or you're feeling, that you do this out of complete self selflessness for someone else. And for many of us, maybe you've been around Christianity for a while, maybe you've been coming to church for quite a few years, you've probably heard this, these definitions before. I know we taught on it during the Love Filter series last year. But I always, I know, it's good reminder always for us to keep those things in context. And it's really super important, I believe, for us to understand these different facets of love because I do say I love pizza, and I do. It's my favorite meal. I'd eat it all, all morning, noon, and night if I could. Gene won't let me, and it's probably a good thing. I'd be as big as a house if I did. But I love pizza, but I also love my wife. Love is complex. Love is multifaceted. Loving pizza and loving my wife doesn't carry the same weight. They're different. So that's where the Greek really defines love in four different ways. And it's important for us to understand that. I'm going to ask Gene to go ahead and join me now. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit of an exercise. This is going to be a little bit of audience participation. So you can go ahead and turn up the lights. I know everybody loves this, right? What's going to happen? I'm not going to make you eat a Brussels sprout. That was from last week if you missed it. <laughs> I'm not going to make you eat a Brussels sprout. What we're going to do here is, is Jean has some phrases, two or three word phrases. And she's going to pick on somebody to come up here and we're going to give you the card. And they're going to choose what monitor to stand next to. Either it's a definition of love or it's a definition of infatuation. So, Jean, who are you going to pick first? Can I ask for volunteers first? No, just go pick the people. They're not going to okay. volunteer. All righty. How about Miss Emily? Oh, there you go. Emily's coming forward. What's the first one that we have? The first one is fall into. Fall into. Would that be love or infatuation? She's, what is she, where is she going? She's going. Okay, so now you have to go over there and let her use the mic. And this is all recorded. So we got this. It's going to be on the podcast. Are you ready? No. Yes. It's going to be part of the podcast. There she goes. She's leaving. 
No, it'll be great. Okay, so why did you choose to come underneath love for fall into? I think love is something that doesn't just happen. You have to, and you not, not necessarily like trip into love, but right. when you fall in love, it's just kind of a choice. And yeah, uh, I always say, because there's a song that I'm kind of obsessed with. It's called uh-huh. Falling. In, I think it's called Falling in Love with God. Right. And I think about it a lot. So I always think you have to fall in love. So falling. Okay. So, so l- let me ask you this question. When you fall, if you were to fall off a cliff, would that, would that happen quickly or would that take time? I'd hope it would be quickly, so. <laughs> but, but it'd probably take time. Okay, so I'm going to tweak, tweak your thought process just a little bit, okay? So falling into then is a quick thing that happens. And falling out of with the word fall would be a quick thing as well. Would you agree? Yeah. Falling in and then falling out. And so we, a lot of times we say we fall into love or we fall out of love. So using that kind of as a backdrop, I would probably say that falling would have more to do with infatuation than it would with love. But you tricked me. (laughs) And we haven't rehearsed this. You tricked me because you talked about it being a choice, though, too, right? So when we typically say falling in and out of love, it's like we don't have any choice. It, you know, whatever fate's going to do, it's going to happen. It's always a choice. But, but there is a choice. So technically, I would throw falling into and out of love over there with infatuation. And I'm going to define what infatuation is first. So you did a really good job, though, without having any definition. So give it up for Emily. It was really good. Really good. Before we go on to the next one, though, I do want to define infatuation. And, and Emily, we kind of set you up there for that one because you didn't know what the definitions were, all right? But infatuation is an intense but short-lived passion for someone or something. Intense but short-lived passion for someone or something. I love March Madness. How many people are with me? There's a few. I know we have some Ohio fans over here. I love March Madness. I love filling out a bracket for March Madness. I do that with my daughter and her work. And, and it's not that I co- follow college football a lot, but during March, I do. And you know what happened this year? I w- had so much intense passion for this year, but Virginia got knocked out on day one. Yeah. Totally broke my bracket, right? Yeah. Didn't that stink? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> It stunk. So after, <laughs> a, af, after that, my, my bracket was broke. I had him winning. So, you know, this intense passion went away. I didn't really care about March Madness anymore after that. I watched a little bit of it. But that was infatuation. That was something that I fell into and then, and then fell out of. Infatuation. So how can I make love last? Can we? Can we make love last? And so I want to say thank you for answering, because yes, we can. I want to say the contrast to falling in and out of love is that you grow into love. It's not a falling, like the example I use with Emily, falling off a cliff, it's, it's quick, it happens, boom. Falling out, it, it happens. Fall out of my car, I've done that before. Fall out of my car on ice or whatever, okay? <laughs> no, not because... I had too much to drink. Look at you. That's where you were going. (laughs) No, slipped on the ice, fell out of the car. 
but growing into love. That, that's what, that's what, where we'd walk underneath love. Falling is infatuation. Growing is love. Spring's right around the corner. <laughs> it should have been here by now, right? <laughs> We're in Montana. I know. It's right around the corner. And what do you do in springtime? You, you plant seeds. And then what happens all summer long? Your plants grow. And hopefully if they're cared for, sun and water, fertilizer, takes time, doesn't it? It takes time. Same with love. Love takes time to grow it into its fruition. And then guess what? You got to keep cultivating it, you know, because love will die. You got to keep growing love, keep cultivating love. And then you get the wonderful harvest of love in your life. The next one, we're going to move on. What's the next one, hon? The next one, do I pick the person first? Pick the person first. Miss Alicia. Alicia gets picked. All right. (laughs) All right. And we have an emotion. An emotion. Sounds like a song. Would it be underneath infatuation or would emotion be underneath love? She's picking love. All right. We need to go and do a little interview. All right, just a little bit of an interview, not much. I, I, I won't prolong this, okay? So why did you choose uh, an emotion for love? Because usually when I think of love, I think of it as an emotion. As an emotion? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that, is that the only reason, or is there something else that you had uh, behind? That was it? Just an emotion. Uh, can emotions, do emotions come and go? Yes, they do. They do. do. Um, so one minute you could be happy, and the next minute you could be sad if circumstances change, right? That you would agree with that? Yep. Okay, so when we're talking about emotions, yes, you're right. Emotions are a part of love. But an emotion doesn't define love because emotions, feelings come and go, right? And like I said, one minute you could be happy, the next minute you could be sad. But when we're talking about love versus infatuation, love's a choice. Now, Emotions, I think it was good though, Alicia, that you went over there because emotions, it starts in our hearts with an emotion. But long-lasting love, God's unconditional love is what we always talk about. In order to be, have that kind of love operating in our hearts, it comes down to a choice. Because you know what? Gene's going to tick me off. Maybe not today. Maybe not even tomorrow. But at some point in time, She's going to tick me off. Am I, am I going to feel with my emotions love? No, I'm not. I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be angry. Hopefully I won't sin in my anger, although I have, and I apologize for that right now in front of everybody here. But, but not today. No, no, not, not today. But when we're, so when we're talking about emotions, we need to be careful because, yes, it starts out as an emotion. But to grow, like I talked about earlier, to grow love into if something that is harvested and, and fruitful in your life, you need to make sure that you just don't go by your feelings because it comes back to being a choice. Remember the love definition. I'm going to throw that in a couple more times. I choose to do what I know benefits you. And then I'm going to tag on whether I feel like it or not. <laughs> whether I feel like it or not, I'm going to choose to do what I know benefits you. Give it up for Alicia. Good job. This is good. This is good. 
without them even knowing, they're making these teaching points perfect. I love it. Thanks, guys. I just have to say, you notice I'm not shaking now, right? Okay, I just had a, I don't always shake when I'm up here. (laughs) Thanks, just had to say it, because I feel good now. All right, (laughs) we have a few more to do. What's the next one? Or pick somebody. Who are you going to pick? I'm going to pick... Um, Carrie. Carrie. No. No. Uh oh. False Christina. alarm. Christina. Well, Christina coming. was waving at me. Okay. And Carrie's arms are crossed in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to wait. That nonverbal <laughs> language that we all know. Oh, okay. No, we go to where you... all so right, this so one is ability to trust. Ability to yes. trust. Where is is that underneath infatuation? Or w- would that be underneath love? How, how would you go there? Everybody's going to the love side. Okay, so uh, explain to me why you would choose to define love as the ability to trust. Because God is love, and if you're going to trust in God, then you need to have that trust with the love. That's good. That's good. Any other thoughts uh, ab- about that? I mean, you know, you, any other type of definition for you? Mostly trust is, is all about trust. Uh, there's a lot of trust in love because when you put your love out there, mm-hmm. you could get crushed. Good. And if, you, and if you're trusting someone, most of the time you're not going to get crushed, especially if it's with God. Right, right. That's good. Really good. I'm glad, I'm glad I asked you that next question and you went a little bit further with that because you're right. You've got to put yourself out there. And, and that is true. I would define uh, the ability to trust right underneath love because... When you, in a loving relationship, you have to become vulnerable. We become vulnerable with God, and we know that he unconditionally loves us. But as we're in relationships with each other, in a marriage, or even in a dating or a friendship relationship, really good friends, you have to be able to get to the place where you trust one another. And you, and you create a bond between yourself and the other person. And that truly is love. That is the definition of love. It's vulnerable. And, and I really think that trust is the key to developing this type of deep love in our lives. Give it up for Christina. Thank you so much. With infatuation, our definition uh, earlier was short and intense passion for someone or something. You can't develop trust when you define it underneath infatuation because it's short-lived. That's the key to that definition. Infatuation is short-lived. Trust takes time to cultivate. Let's go on. Who are you going to pick next? The next one is self-gratification, and I shall pick Joey. You you mixed it up on us. Good job. All right, Joey. How did I do that? Because you told him what it was before you picked him. I thought you meant I was out of order. (laughs) (laughs) All right, self-gratification, Joey. Does that define love, or does that define infatuation? Joey gets an easy one. Look at that. <laughs> You're right. Okay, so why did you pick infatuation for self-gratification? Uh, so self-gratification is a very selfish way of thinking, and it's something that um, is usually short thought. And so it's all about me. It's something that I want immediately. So like when I want that fourth piece of pie that I'm not supposed to have, <laughs> and I take it. It's like, it's not doing it out of love, it's doing it out of selfishness. Exactly. 
Yep, perfect. Perfect answer. It does it out of selfishness. That's what self-gratification, well, it's got self in it, right? I mean, that's, it's all about yourself. It has nothing to do with anybody else or the other person. So yes, self-gratification. Once again, it's a feeling. How do I feel right now? Well, if I don't feel good, I need to make myself feel good. So it's all about feelings. It's not about the choices and developing that deep love, that deep connection that we need in our lives. Give it up for Joey. Thank you, Joey. And Joey's getting married in June. What's so that? Joey's getting married in June. Joey yes. is getting so married in June. So he's off to June. a good start. That's right. Yeah, so here in a co- another couple months, Joey's going to be an expert on all this stuff. Right, Joey? No, it takes a lifetime to learn. It does. It really does. All right, let's do um, let's do one more. The last. The we only next have one. two. Okay, let's do two more. Let's do. Let's. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay, I'm going to call on Jake Mackey. Jake Mackey. A decision. Wow. A decision. So, is love a decision, or is infatuation a decision? Well, how would you define? a decision. Would it fall underneath infatuation or would it fall underneath love? I like how he's standing right in the middle and he's taking <laughs> that, you know, if you don't know Jake very well, Jake thinks things through before he speaks and he just has to make sure everything's quite right. So where are we at? You can go stand. I'm going to go with a decision is on the love side. Okay. So now I know you thought about it, right? You didn't have much, yep. but 10, 15, 20 seconds, you thought about it. Was, Why did yep. you choose love Double for a decision? Checking. Um, because I think you have to decide to love. I think you already said that, too. But I well, I talked about a choice, but I didn't use the word decision. Okay. I don't think. I'll, I listen, like to, I'll to listen to the podcast. Make a decision to love. I don't think decisions are infatuations in any way. Right. Right. Yeah, because the definition was a s- short-lived passion for someone or something. But a decision is long-lasting, is it not? It doesn't have to be, I guess. No, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Oh. Yeah, a decision, a decision. <laughs> I need to listen to what I said because it was good. <laughs> now you threw me off. <laughs> yeah, but to love a decision is something that's going to be long lasting, not short lived. Or infatuation is short lived. Love, a decision is long lasting. Yes, so good job. Excellent. Good yeah, job, good job. Give it up for Jake. Yay. Once again, feelings stop. Warm fuzzies go away. Who likes warm fuzzies? I do. I love warm fuzzies. But you know what? The fuzzies, the warm fuzzies go away. Real love, true love, is a decision. I mean, it's how God loves us, right? Are we always lovable? No. No, Ricky is. Ricky's always lovable. He's got that awesome, cool he beard. He agrees, amen. Yeah, kind of amen. <laughs> But I know, I know I'm not always lovable in God's eyes, but God chooses to love me even though, still, my brokenness, my sinful nature, my, we call it the flesh, you know, my selfishness gets in the way. But God still chooses to love me, and he's always there. Okay, when you're, when you're ready to, <laughs> to start listening to me and making right decisions, I'm here for you, and he is each and every day. Good. Good one. Last one, honey. Last one, physical attraction for Joe Oyhus. Ooh. That's all right. <laughs> I'm not falling for that one again. <laughs> okay, Joe, so is physical attraction love or is it he's walking past Ooh. me? 
or is it infatuation? I'm going to be... He goes over to the love. be defiant. Okay, be defiant. Explain your defiant self to me. If you are in love with something or someone, I think physical attraction grows from that after you have love. Wow. Okay, so how am I going to get out of this one? He's tw- he's he I'm is ready. twist. He's t- he you know he he brought up a good point though he 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 made it made a good definition. But I disagree. Uh-huh. I disagree, Joe. And that's and that's <laughs> it's all right. No, uh, physical attraction once again is an emotion. It's a feeling, and it, it does take part in love. But are you always going to be eighteen it's years old? Not hold, on. hold on. Are you always going to be eighteen years old? I know. No, no one will be 18. I know you're not 18. My illustration, Joe, is we're not always going to be 18 years old, right? I'm about 45 pounds heavier than I I was when I was 18, right? Physical attraction is going to go. I might be involved in a serious car accident. You know, I could lose the ability to walk. I'd gain another 50 pounds. Is Jean then all of a sudden just, you know, boom. Gonna, gonna go? She's gonna leave? No. Infatuation would, because once again, it's short-lived. Physical attraction, what pleases the eye, is short-lived. But true love, no, it's not based. I guess I tricked you right there. It's not based on physical attraction, because we're not always gonna be 18, right? We're gonna get older. Things are gonna break. We're not going to be as pretty as we once were, if we were ever pretty. I don't know if I was ever pretty. (laughs) All right? But give it up for Joe. Thank you, Joe. Can I just add one little thing to that? Yeah, absolutely. Is because true love will always see you, though, in your physical attractiveness. Ooh, isn't that Because my grand... This... Hear me out. (laughs) My grandfather said... My grandmother had... um, She was a brittle diabetic. She gained a lot of weight. She couldn't get around. She had all kinds of issues. And he said to me one time, when he looks at her, he still sees her as the young girl that he married. So through those eyes, that the love filter eyes, not the, not the carnal. Well, yeah, yeah. It is. I'm glad you brought up that point, uh, though, because that's true. See, you know, because when is... I look at you, I still see you as when we were dating. I don't see you gray-haired and balding. <laughs> You know, I don't see you 40 pounds heavier. I just see you. I I just want you guys to note that she said gray, she said gray hair and balding. She just said that to me. (laughs) Give it up for Jean. She did a great job. Yeah, you're right. Physical attraction. Okay. That's, that's seeing things through eyes. What, what, you know, what, what excites the senses, physical attraction. I'm not always going to be 18, but I like what Jean said about viewing the filter because I remember when her grandfather said that. And it spoke to me as a young, a young kid. I was like 19, 20 years old, you know, and I'm like, wow, that's just really cool because you're right. We, you know, our bodies are going to be broken as we age. All right, good job. Give it up for everyone. One more, one more round of applause. It was good. It was good. All right, we have two more video segments, and then I'm going to wrap it up. So go ahead and roll the videos. So kind of to recap, here we're talking about Eros love, kind of that passion within marriage, but also we're also wanting to lead into the real commitment of love and agape love. So when we're kind of talking about these idea of loves here, that's what we're, we're talking about. 
Pharaoh's love is not one that can just sustain the marriage. Uh, that's why you it can kind of keep that spark in what's going, but we need to ultimately have that agape love. So now if you want to look back at one of the most famed love stories in all of history, Romeo and Juliet, everybody knows the story. Now you look at these two teenagers who fall madly in love with each other, and even to the point that when they get married, that they, and then despite their families that are going against them, that they would kill themselves because they could not endure the feeling of not living together. And now it sounds all romantic and wonderful until you step back and realize this whole story is over a whopping four days. Day one, they meet each other, they fall madly in love. And two, the second day, they're ready married. And then in the next two days, they're willing to kill each other because they can't be with each other. Now we have to look at this. Have these two teenagers really had time to think through if they really loved each other? Have they had time to have make that decision to be able to know the ability to trust? Probably not. And so we need to, it's kind of fun to look at that and see that maybe this is actually a story based on the greatest infatuation story than the greatest love story told. Here we're going to be talking about communicating love. And then there, um, according to Gary Chapman, the author of the book, The Five Love Languages, that there are five categories that you give love and receive love. It's good to remember that it's not just uh, in a romantic love that we would use these love languages, but it's how to love your friend, to love your neighbor, uh, to love a child, and even if you have been married for 40 years, how to love your spouse. So we're going to go through them quickly. The first one, words of affirmation. This would make you, I feel loved most when a parent, a friend, spouse compliments me, notices the little things that they like about me expresses his or her feelings towards me. So a lot of good examples, maybe if um, that person, you just write a sticky note. You write, I just really, um, really liked how you just, you shared that story with me. Or you look really great today. Um, and just leaving little notes for people or handwritten letters to people. That can really mean to a lot of people who their um, love language is words of affirmation. The second one, quality time. You feel love most when somebody spends other time with you, focuses their full attention on you, does things with you, sits with you, um, and just being able to listen to what you have to say. So a lot of times, um, guys and girls may have a different idea of what this may mean. So let's say, for example, you worked with your spouse and you drove to, to work together, you were in meetings together, and then you drove home. But to a girl, and so the guy might think, well, we just spent a lot of time together. This is good quality time. But the girl's thinking, I really haven't spent that much time with my husband or my boyfriend or whatever. And you're thinking, I, for quality time, we need to be able to sit together and to hear each other out. And so this is a good way of um, knowing what quality time, and it's not just you might be together, but that you're actually spending full attention on one another. Our next one is receiving gifts. This may, when you feel most loved, when a parent, a friend, a significant other gives you flowers, makes things, um, maybe sends you something, finds something that reminds them of you. Um, 
this is a lot of times this can be good um, spontaneous things, so not just um, on Valentine's Day when they expect you to give the chocolate and flowers. Um, but it's an idea of knowing that person thought about me, that they would give me a little gift or a big gift, whatever it is. But that it makes that person feel loved, that you have um, spent time thinking of them. The next one, acts of service. You feel most loved when someone does something for you, maybe surprises you in doing a project. I know for me, I love when my husband does the dishes for me, and that is like, I feel completely loved when he does that. But a lot of times this is an act of service is when somebody doesn't ask for your help, that they just do it out of because they want to intentionally care for you, so they've just done it um, even without you asking. And then the last one, physical touch. You feel most loved when someone may um, hold your hand, hugs you for no reason, gives you back rugs, holds you close, um, and being able to express that love uh, um, physically. All right. Um, I'm going to leave, leave this up for you guys because it is in your notes, the, these notes. It's kind of a, a, a little difficult to do this in this format because, um, you know, there are some fill-in-the-blanks, and so we have to make sure that we give you guys time to do those fill-in-the-blanks in your notes. So these are the last fill-in-the-blanks here underneath love and how it's communicated by the five love languages by Gary Chapman. I don't know if you guys have taken the survey or, or the questionnaire to define or, or find out what is your love language. I know Gene and I did it years, years ago, and um, my number one was quality time, but my second one was acts of service. And Jean's was quality time, and her number two was physical touch. But what happens in our lives is sometimes we try to apply our love languages to our spouse. <laughs> and guess what? It doesn't always translate well. It, it, it makes you really frustrated. I know that there was some times years ago where I would, Jean would be out either working and I'd get home early or she'd be out running errands and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going to make the bed. I'm going to maybe vacuum and do all this kind of stuff. So I'd, I'd run around and I'd do a bunch of different acts of service, right? Because that's my love language. And I'm like, well, surely she's going to just love this. But she comes in the house and she says, hey, how you doing? You know, and just kind of goes about her business. And I'm like, Aren't you going to say anything? Aren't, didn't you notice that I did the dishes? Didn't you notice that I, I, I put away some of your clothes that were on the bed and I made the bed and I'm thinking to myself, why isn't she going to notice this stuff? And so finally I'd say, hey, did you notice what I did while you were gone? Oh yeah, hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. And goes about, I'm like, that really frustrates me. You know, she would have much rather when she came in, hey, honey, how was your day? Good. Hey, you want a little back rub? You want a little massage? Because physical touch was her number two, right? So we got to be careful. We need to know what our love languages are. But the people that we spend time with, we need to know what theirs are as well. And we, not, we don't need to apply ours to them because it's only going to frustrate you. But you see, in a relationship, and it's easy for us to talk about a marriage relationship, but this applies to all relationships. If you're single, to your children, whatever, a grandparent, to their grandkids, whatever it is, if you understand what other people's love languages are, then you can reach out to them and cultivate that and communicate that to them 
in their love language. So it's really important. So I have a little bit of homework. Nobody likes homework. I have a task. No, nobody likes tasks. I have a fun thing for you guys to do this week. How about that? We have on the back table, Gene put out some, um, some of those questionnaires. So take one with you. There's, there's one for couples. So take two, obviously. There's one for singles if you're single. There's one for if you're a, a teenager. And then there's one for older, older children, but not, not the real young ones, but the, the older, older kids. So if you're a grandparent or a parent, you can grab all those kids' ones too. If we run out, we'll print out more for you guys and have some more available for you. But, but go ahead and, and take those. And, and, and believe it or not, if, you, if you've taken this survey years ago, take it again because it might change a little bit. I know that I've changed a little bit. Remember I told you acts of service was my number two? Well, well, I took it again just recently, and now words of affirmation is my number two. I'm like... Wow, I, I didn't know that. You know, so it, acts of service was a close three, but once again, it changes as we grow and as we mature and as we experience things. Sometimes our uh, love language changes just a little bit. All right, that's your homework. There's another resource. Gary Chapman was the one that came up with this five love languages, but C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves. I have not personally read that. I just downloaded it yesterday on my Kindle, so I'm going to actually read that this next week. But from what I understand, from what Pastor Russ told me, is it totally revolutionized and transformed his view of love years ago when he was in college. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and read that this week. But that's another resource for you from C.S. Lewis, the, the Four Loves. All right, let's go ahead and bow in prayer, and we're going we're gonna to do a little more worship here before we take off for the morning. Father God, I just thank you so much on how you love us. And in your word, all of these loves are talked about. And God, they're all good. You you developed, you, you created us to experience and to express all of these different kinds of loves. But God, your your ultimate love, if I can use that phrase, is agape love, the unconditional love. That's the love, God, that you showed to us. Jesus, that's the love you showed to us as well by by dying sacrificially on that cross that we we just remembered last week. And, And really, we remember each and every day in our lives the sacrifice that you did for me. And I thank you so much for, for this love. And as we talk about this, these different types of love and how we can communicate them to the loved ones in our lives and how they communicate to us. Teach us something new this week, I pray. Thank you so much for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.